Good evening, my friends. My name is Adam, and I will be your host on A Haunted History, the podcast that will lead you on a spine-tingling journey through the shadowy corridors of the past. From the eerie echoes of ancient castles to the whispered secrets of forgotten battlefields, each episode will transport you to a different era where history and the supernatural collide. So dim the lights, my friends, and gather around as we prepare to embark on a historical adventure beyond the veil. Welcome once again to A Haunted History. Hello, everyone. I'm sitting here with Matt Bell, the general manager of Limp Mansion. Um, Not only the topic of today's uh, podcast, but also our newest sponsor. And I'd like Matt to introduce himself and uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, Limp uh, Mansion, its uh, history, and give you guys a little bit of info about it. Thanks, Adam. My name is uh, Matt Bell, GM, Limp Mansion Restaurant and Inn. Uh, we've been operating here in South St. Louis since 1977 here in the Lemp Mansion. We'll get into the history of that a little bit here. Over the last 46 years, we've been doing an award-winning bed and breakfast here, open for dinner Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, Sunday fried chicken dinner, all you can eat. Adam knows that's a big pull for us. (laughs) It is. Um, Good fried chicken, the best fried chicken. Um, and tours and parties, uh, all things of that nature. Uh, but uh, to Adam's point here on the on the haunted, I guess a lot of people um, want to know why uh, it's haunted and why we're considered one of the most haunted locations um, in the in the country for sure, and some say maybe in the world. Um, so we'll uh, so we'll get to it, I guess. Um, Johann Adam Lemp came here in the 1830s from Auschwitz, Germany, um, and was a grocer. Also carried with him the ability and the, the knowledge to make lager beer uh, from Germany and kind of turned into a right place, right time kind of scenario um, with the St. Louis area hosting a large influx of Dutch and German immigrants at the time. And they all uh, loved this lager beer that Adam was making out of his grocery store. So he uh, he went full time brewer, and uh, and stopped the grocery business. Founded what was called the Western Brewery, uh, and was uh, and was a success story. Uh, his son William Lemp took over his father's business and founded the William J Lemp Brewing Company. Built the Lemp Brewery on top of the Cherokee Caves, covered ten city blocks, one of the largest breweries in the in the Midwest. Um, was a little bit before Anheuser-Busch, but they were contemporaries, uh, competitors, and friends. Um, Budweiser is probably the best example of a lager beer that everybody knows, but Lemp's product was Falstaff. Now, Matt, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you real quick. Is it true, and I, I can't remember if I remember this right, but didn't Lemp lend um, Anheuser-Busch the money to start their brewery? I, I heard that rumor, and I'm not sure if it's true. Well, um, that's possible. I, I can't verify that. Um, but, you know, both being German immigrants in the same place at the same time, I can tell you that um, I believe it was Adolphus Bush after William Sr. died was a pallbearer at his funeral. So um, that's definitely possible. They were um, they were definitely friendly, uh, friendly competitors, at least. Um, so I'm sure they had a mutual respect for each other. Um, but so. Uh, William had kind of taken his dad's business into uh, a new form of success with Falstaff beer. I think they made about seven or eight different beers, Falstaff being their most popular. 
Um, side note on Falstaff, I'm sure you know this already, Adam, but uh, Sir John Falstaff is a Shakespeare character. Yes. So, um, you know, kind of a, he's a knight, uh, old kind of fat guy, kind of looks like Santa Claus a little bit, always, <laughs> always drinking, always, always jovial. So he's like the mascot, you know, he's like, uh, what's the, uh, what's the Simpsons uh, Duff Man, right? Duffman. Um, you know, so he's their, he's their mascot for, uh, for Falstaff beer. Always having a good time. Um, anyway, so that's where that's where it came from. But so big success, and uh, people still talk about. Oh, my dad drank Falstaff all the time. That was under different ownership, but we'll we'll get to that in a second. So, uh, in any case, um, I'm gonna gloss over the history a little bit, uh, just so just so your listeners know. There's several books, uh, Lemp the Haunting History by Stephen Walker, um, that do a deep dive on the history of the limp family and so those are available so i'm I'm not gonna like try to recite the whole book but i'm gonna give you the the once over the history really just to answer the question of you know why people say that this building is so haunted but um anyways falstaff beer william william limp senior this house the limp mansion was built in close proximity to the brewery um 1867 uh there is um which people ask me all the time there is a connecting tunnel underneath the mansion here. Goes a few blocks and connects to the Cherokee Caves uh, under the brewery. So you could traverse underground from the house here to the the brewery at one point. We've never had access to those caves from this location. Um, I imagine they were sealed off when William Jr. sold the Limp Brewery to International Shoe Company. That would have been 1921. But um Anyway, so a lot of unique features to the house, about 10,000 square feet, uh, built for William um, Sr. and his wife, Julia Lemp, uh, who had eight children. Uh, Not all of those eight children grew up here. Some of the kids were already adults by the time this house was built. But in any case, if you visit us here, we've named a lot of the rooms after members of the Lemp family, not necessarily because that was their room, just because they're part of the history. But anyway, so things are going great for uh, for William Sr. He's got the big mansion. He's on the board of directors for the 1904 World's Fair, uh, which was going to be a big deal. It was going to showcase Falstaff beer, amongst other things. Um, you know, the invention of was it hot dogs and ice cream and, yep. uh, you know, these things. All um, the uh-huh. All the all Ice-T. the stuff associated with it. Um. In 1902, uh, Frederick Limp, one of the eight kids, uh, passed away of some form of heart failure. Um, And so when you hear people talk about mysterious death, um, you know, in the family, I think that's one of them. Some of his distant relatives told me that they were told he had tuberculosis, uh, which heart failure could have been a, a side effect of, could have been a birth defect that nobody knew about, could have been a side effect of Lord knows what kind of medication they were prescribing in 1902 for any kind of ailment. But in any case, Frederick, who was uh, apparently very smart and hardworking, was a big part of the the family business, passed away at 28 years old in 1902. And people said that his dad never really recovered from uh, from that loss. And in 1904, he got back from uh, Gustav Papp's funeral. Uh, of the Paps Brewing family in Milwaukee. There were some Limp Paps intermarriages. Um, got back from his funeral and locked himself uh, in his bedroom upstairs and uh, said he wasn't feeling very good. And the 
housekeepers heard a gunshot, opened the room and found him dead, uh, gunshot to the head. So that was the first suicide in the house here. Um, Julia Lemp, uh, the mom, the matriarch, she lived here two more years, 1906. She passed away um, of cancer. Uh, and then the house was uh, inherited by William Jr. And William Jr. Uh, was now the president of the company, uh, had the house here. He was already had his big mansion elsewhere, uh, no longer standing. And uh, so he had this house converted into their corporate offices uh, because it was so close to the business made sense. So um, he took actually the room that we're sitting in right now that we call the office still. This was William Lip Jr.'s office, his personal office. And um, he ran the business um, well up until Prohibition. Um, you know, they kind of stopped expanding. He went through a divorce from Lillian Lemp uh, during that time period, which was a big financial strain and I'm sure emotional stress. Um, not very common at the time, but, um, it was also a huge scandal. It was all over the newspaper. Oh, it was. Oh yeah, it was exactly. It was, I mean, Kardashian level, um, tabloid, um, tabloid stuff. It was every newspaper was all over it. The divorce, the trial was on the front page of the papers. They were, you know, slinging mud, so to speak. Um, you know, she said he carried a gun everywhere. Uh, you know. He said, anyways, um, it was a, it was a big deal, but, uh, anyways, 1915, Elsa, one of the other eight children, Elsa Limp had killed herself apparently at her own residence, uh, which would be 13 Hortense place in the central West end here in, in the city. Um, she may have been murdered by her husband. She married the same, uh, gentleman twice. Um, Thomas Wright, I believe was his name. And, uh, shortly after their second marriage he's the one that called william jr and said oh oh goodness elsa's killed herself and then he inherited uh, you know her her money which was considerably more than what he had um so um there wasn't much of an investigation into that um and i think there's actually um it's been in the works for a while um do you know frankie um with uh fourth city films i think so yeah, he's been working on a, a kind of a documentary about Elsa's life. Um, Interesting. And so it, it's it, it was supposed to come out during COVID, and then that got kibosh. Anyways, I, I keep hearing that it's going to come out this year. Um, anyway, it should be fascinating. Um, anyways, back to our story, though. Um, 1915, Elsa kills herself. That's the second suicide in the family. Um, third death, counting Frederick. And... Um, Tragedy continues uh, to kind of befall the the Lemp family. Uh, 1920s prohibition. Um, so everyone knows what that did to anyone making their money off of the sales of alcohol. Uh, seems like they weren't ready for it. Uh, from what I understand, a lot of people in the beer business, especially Germans, are in the wine business. If you're Italian or French, couldn't quite wrap their heads around. Yeah. Um, the the banning of wine and beer they kind of were just kept thinking it was they were talking about you know whiskey and gin and you know these hard liquors mm -hmm. um, that's that's really what they were targeting um but if you're you know if you're italian like if you lived on the hill in the 1900s 
you're picking up wine with dinner, I mean, it's you're not having dinner without wine. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. You know, probably beer and Germans the same way. Like we're not we're not going off lunch break without beer. What are you talking about? <laughs> um. So. Anyways, it seems like they were surprised and they weren't ready for it to happen. But anyways, 1921 prohibition is enacted. Um, they almost immediately folded. They did try to make a near beer kind of beverage. Um, but in 1922, William Jr. sells the rights to Falstaff beer and the family crest, which was on all of their products. But people, if you saw it today, you'd recognize the Falstaff crest. At least a lot of people would. But that was the limp crest sold to the Grisadick brothers in this very room in 1922. Um, who then continued to make Falstaff beer after 1933. But anyways, that's officially kind of the end of Limp as a business. Uh, William Jr. sells the brewery complex to International Shoe Company. Uh, actually, just it's amazing with this history, you just kind of learn new stuff all the time. Um, so one of the reasons that it sold for pennies on the dollar, it was valued at $7 million right before Prohibition. Mm-hmm. And it sold at auction for like $350,000. But they they wanted to get it into a, a bidding war and an auction. And International Shoe was the only people that showed up to the auction. There was only one really? there was only one bid. I never knew that. Um right. So <laughs> they got it for a steal. Right. So the only bid being an international shoe company won the bid and, and bought the, the whole complex for pennies on the dollar. Um which was probably another reason to uh, to kind of piss William Jr. off. Um, but in any case, shortly after that, in this very room that we're sitting in, 1922, William Jr. Uh, shoots himself in the chest, uh, killing himself, being the third suicide in the family, second one in the house. Um, now, you will read, if you look into it, that the initial autopsy reports said that William Jr. was found with two gunshot wounds to the chest. Um, but that was later redacted uh, by a second autopsy to reveal that there was, in fact, only one gunshot wound to the chest. But this, you know, obviously leads to a lot of different conspiracy theories about whether or not he was he killed himself or was murdered. But it'd be hard to shoot yourself in the chest twice. Um, so that's pretty much the end of the business. The house, though, remains in the family and is inherited by Charles Limp. Uh, Charles uh, moves back in here, even though he didn't need to. Uh, he was a banker and he was uh, uh, wealthy in his own right. Um, did not need to live in this house. So you had your your mother, your brother, and your father died in the house. Mo- uh, father and brother having killed themselves in the house. Um, you know, he Charles was never married, didn't have kids, basically moved in here by himself. I mean, he did have a, a servant that stayed with him and his dog. But um, kind of weird. He had an attachment to the house, certainly. Um, lived here all the way until 1949. Um, left a suicide note, said, in case I'm found dead, blame no one but myself, Charles A. Limp, and uh, shoots his dog and then shoots himself. So that was the last limp that lived here and the third suicide in the in the home uh and after that uh it was uh the the home was sold at auction i don't know what the buying price was at that point but it was turned into a boarding house 
our rooming house uh, and remains uh, remains a boarding house for the next 25 years. Uh, and then my family purchased from the Fenger family, who was running the boarding house, uh, purchased the, the house in 1975. And uh, my grandparents had nine kids. And grandpa always said, you know, I don't know if he said it, but he, he knew and treated it like having nine kids, five boys and four girls, plus him and grandma. So he had 11 people. I mean, that's a pretty good staff right there. So you could you could open almost any kind of business you wanted to. Um, just had to learn a couple things, you know. So uh, my oldest uncle, my Uncle Dick, wanted to do a restaurant. So that was the original ownership group was grandma and grandpa and Uncle Dick. And uh, we opened in 77 in the basement. Uh, we didn't open this floor that we're at now until the early 80s, 82, 83. Uh, and then we started renting out rooms in the 90s. And, um, you know, we kind of just do it all now. Weddings, all all sorts of things. And uh, like I said, that's kind of the gloss over history. Um, you could do a deep dive into the history for hours. But anyways, that gets us uh, up to date to kind of explain the the haunted situation that we uh, that we have today. Now, um, I I remember the there was a report about an illegitimate child that Billy Limp that William Limp Jr. had. Um, now I know there's a lot of hearsay on this. Um, it was kind of kept quiet, but I, I didn't know what your thoughts were on that. So, um, depending on who you talk to with that. Um, there's there's like probably a dozen different stories that go through there. Um, so Zeke, uh, they call him as a boy that may have been um, a child of William Jr. and a servant. Um, uh, and then so the boy lived here in the servants quarters and died at about 13 uh, due to his illness he was born somehow physically and or mentally handicapped and so you have a lot of people that have stories about zeke or they would call him monkey boy or monkey face boy or some of his other names now if you talk to some of the some of the psychics and stuff some of the mediums that uh, that come here they would tell you absolutely absolutely there's a child presence in the in the attic in the servants quarters um and some say that they talk to him now historically there's almost not well not almost there's besides stories and oral stories and kind of passed down traditions there's no documentation that this person existed which doesn't necessarily mean anything um i think um it's pointed out in one of the books um i troy taylor wrote a book about the lent mansion and he kind of refutes the claim and says that he did it. He looked into all kinds of archival evidence and records and couldn't find a birth certificate or death certificate or anything that would suggest uh, that this was a real person. However, it wouldn't be uncommon, though, if they wanted to keep it quiet. Certainly. And before 1940, most people weren't born in a hospital at all. So if you were born to a servant, possibly even born here um, or, you know, in someone's home, maybe the mom's home or what have you. Uh, and especially if you're born somehow handicapped, might not even know if you're going to live or not. Um, you know, the taking, taking the boy to a hospital to get a birth certificate might not have been something that you were going to do. And especially if he lived here and it was kind of a hush hush situation, you're right. Um, 
So the lack of physical evidence doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it does beg the question, like, where's the story come from? Yeah. Um, so anyways, you got people that say they used to walk down uh, 13th Street here and would see the boy in the windows upstairs and uh, and stuff like that. So there's a ton of stories about uh, about Zeke um, that um, are unsubstantiated. Um, and some are like you know, some people tell you it's 100 percent true. So, um, you know, one of the many kind of kind of stories most of the most of the things that i went over well documented you know the suicides that's that's not disputable that that happened um now where where charles killed himself is debatable um you got several different people say several different things on that um police report says found dead in his bedroom with 33 rooms in here he lived here by himself so which bedroom he could have been using any room as his bedroom um you know he was older at the time and had cancer and so the prevailing theory is that he moved his bedroom down to the main level here so he could get outside easier. Um, and so um, the the two most common places, people say, is the bar right over here and the main dining room straight back there. Um, but again, there's kind of different reports on that. One of the one of the interesting things about the um, about the history, both. Charles and Edwin. Edwin was the last surviving of the nine kit or the eight kids. Um, they both like destroyed all of their personal artifacts. I remember, I remember hearing about that before they died. Edwin was like ninety or something. Had his servant burn everything or something. Yeah, yeah. So um, there are. I'm not saying they don't exist, but I've never seen a picture of the limps inside the house could it have been like a superstition at that point or i mean were they i don't know i mean you know obviously they weren't carrying around you know iphones with nice cameras on them like we do now so they probably you know pictures would have been a more formal affair but pictures were still a thing and they were a wealthy family so you'd think that there'd be some you know they had parties here william senior's funeral was in here you, you would know? think that they'd want to show off i mean they had um, did they have like one of the first elevators in a private home? They, right. they had a lot of elevator, private home with a, with a shower. We were just talking about before we started. Yeah, they had a, this was a showpiece. So you'd think there would have been um, <laughs> some pictures uh, of inside of the house. But in any case, I never seen them. So, um, so you know, a lot of things, a lot of things are kind of a guess. Like, you know, where where exactly Charles killed himself. We know that William Sr. killed himself in what we call the Lavender Suite. It's the it's the biggest suite. It's the only one that has a bathroom in it originally. So it's a nice bathroom. That's it is cool. <laughs> um, so that's the master suite. So patriarch of the home lives in the master bedroom, right? Yeah. You know. Um so Anyways, and the police just, uh, report describes the location of William's office as being this room right here, um, which makes sense and would be a nice office. Another question people always ask, and I don't have the answer to, is within this room, where did he kill himself? We know he shot himself at his desk. Well, where was his desk? I would think his desk is probably in front of the fireplace, facing the opposite direction, maybe out towards the hall. Okay, sure. Think. But back to the fireplace? I don't know. Maybe like his back to be warm. I don't know. I don't know. Right. Um, so I wouldn't want my back to the door. That that's just me. No, I always would say if I put a desk in here, it'd be over there, looking out, looking 
out these windows. Okay, so against the wall, looking out the windows to the street. Yeah. Uh, here, looking that way, I don't know, maybe, probably not. You don't want your backs to the window. You couldn't see it coming in. I don't know. So there's different theories. That's my point, though, is that some of the things are just have to be guessed on, you know, some of the some of the finer details. I will say this. If anybody tells you that they know for sure exactly what happened and when, they're probably full of it. Um, I've met a few of them. Yeah. So. Anyways, I have also heard people say there is as many as 13 different identifiable spirits in here. Now, we talked about William Sr., William Jr., Charles, Julia. There was a stabbing death here when this was a boarding house. Um, Zeke, so, so now we're up to seven. Some people say server, the dog. Charles shot his dog. I heard the dog has been seen, but that's I have some stories about the dog secondhand. So that's eight. Um, you know, but some people even bring up this theory. So with the cave tunnel system, the caves being limestone caves, the breweries built on top of, and then the tunnels here. It generates, they, they absorb psychic energy. Right. So the river being so close. So things like that. Maybe the house was haunted before they even moved in or before, you know, you know, maybe it was cursed to, to begin with. You never know what the cave system was used for prior. I mean... With a lot of Native Americans inhabiting the land, who knows? Right. Um, Burial ground. Yeah. You, you just you just never know. Now it's funny when you mention uh, when you mention Zeke. Um, as you know, I've stayed here many many times, uh-huh. and uh, I did stay up upstairs. I think it was in is it the Lincoln Room? Um, it was up in the eaves. It was one of the newer redone rooms. Uh, uh, there's the, the Lewis and the Frederick. Maybe the, maybe it's the is the Frederick the one with the widow's walk stairs? That's the Lewis. That's, That's the Lewis. The other side. They're like twin rooms. But. Uh, okay, so I I must have been in the Lewis, but uh, I I remember I stayed here with an ex girlfriend years and years ago, and she stated that when she was in the bath, that the water turned hot and the cold turned off, and she was scalded. And then when she went to check the knobs to see if something was wrong, she noticed that the, the the cold had been completely turned off. And then when she went to adjust it, the heat went completely off, but you weren't out of hot water. She was able to turn the hot water back on. She didn't tell me this until the next morning. Now, she also said that she stayed up a little bit later, and she said the TV would um, turn itself off. Now, I don't know why she didn't wake me up and tell me this, but she didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was that was an experience that I had here um, and that I did attribute it to Zeke. Um, I remember I had a bottle of whiskey on the table and I said, Zeke, help yourself and leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I had a glass sitting there. Offering. Yeah, like, like, let's let me sleep through the night. Yeah. But why, why don't you tell us some of the stories that you have about this place? Well, so... Um... I have literally dozens and dozens, if not hundreds. Um, but I, I'll tell you, so what I like to do is kind of use a scale of one to ten. And uh, the higher you go up the scale, the less common the stories are, the less the, the kind of more spectacular they are. So like like ones, for example, like a one story that that people get. Now, when I say hundreds of stories, I mean, some of my own, some of other people's, some family members, some just guests that stay here and pictures and what have you. But like one stories are, uh, I felt cold. I felt a cold spot. 
I felt like somebody was watching me. Sunday night, we had a guy, I look, look around into the night, and he came down. I was like, ooh, you know, that was creepy. I felt like somebody was walking right behind me. So feeling like someone's walking right behind you is not real good evidence of a, of a paranormal activity. Not to discredit it. I'm sure that he did feel that way. But that's kind of, you know, a one, uh, one or a two story, you know. Um, some of these might include the TV turning off. These things happen. Those kind of get up there. And then kind of the, the mid story. I'll start with a, I'll start with a mid story. Um, okay. Before I do that though, I kind of got to describe. There's a common man that people see around here. You might have to edit that noise out. We're doing some construction around here. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can, I'll see if I can, but yeah, it's. It's on site, everybody, so uh, that's why you're getting a little bit of the background noise. Do apologize for it, but, you know, life life is how we do this, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what they're doing, cutting someone in half over there or something. Um, anyways, so uh, the shiny shoe man is what they used to call him. Uh, some people just call him the man. And so uh, when this was the boarding house, the uh, tenants here had this story about seeing a man that they called shiny shoe man. And he would be someone that they would see in the house. These were, you got to remember, this was a boarding house. It's not like luxury apartments. These were poor people, and these were cheap rooms for rent. Um, and so to see somebody with mirror shine shoes that was all dressed up, they were out of place. And so they would see this out-of-place man from a distance always, um, and no one ever talked to him or knew who he was. They just would, would see him, maybe briefly, maybe for a minute, maybe out the window, down the hall, what have you. But so. Uh, a lot of them have the same story about shiny shoe man. So anyways, um, this is someone a lot of times that when people see somebody, they kind of describe the same person. So we think it's the same spirit or entity. Honestly, I don't know how it all works in the spirit realm. Um, anyways, so this was just last year. It was during a lunch. Uh, myself and uh, Mikeo, one of the managers here, he's here all the time. You know Mikeo? Yeah. And um, so it was just us working lunch, slow lunch shift. We had one table, and I'm in the atrium, and I'm talking to our one table, and I start to walk out of the room, and I look into the parlor coming out of the atrium there, and I didn't look over, but I saw someone walking through the parlor, and I just knew that it was Mikeo walking through the parlor, probably about to walk into the atrium, take a look at that table. We're working together, so, yeah, you know. So anyways, I walk through the lobby there and into the bar, and Mikeo's standing in the bar. And I looked at him like, what are you doing here? And he's like, what's, what's, what's the matter? Why, why you got the face on your face? And I said, I don't know, man. I swear I just saw you walking through the parlor as I was walking in here. and. Uh, He's like, I don't know, maybe you saw a ghost. And he was kind of, you know, kind of joking with me. And I said, I don't know, it was weird. So a few minutes later, I go back to the, the one table, the customer's there. And uh, the guy looks up at me and he goes, does anything weird ever happen around here? And I said, yeah, it does actually, but what do you mean? And he said, I was sitting here, my friend went to the bathroom, so I was looking at my phone, as we do. And he said, I saw somebody approaching our table. And so I put my phone down and looked up because he, he thought it was going to be me or Mikeo. Yeah. And so he put his phone down and looked up and there was nobody there. And it kind of 
took him off guard. And I said, was this like three minutes ago? And he goes, yeah, about about there. And I said, yeah, I think I saw the same person walking towards your table as I left the room. And uh, we were like, huh, pretty weird, because that's exactly where the person that I thought was Mikhail was walking towards. So, you know, that was uh, that was a little bizarre. Now, like I said, I didn't see him that good. Um, I didn't really even look. I just could out of my periphery see that there was a person walking. So, you know, that's kind of a, that's kind of maybe a five or something like that, where I thought I saw somebody. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. But another time that I saw the man was um, I remember so specifically because it was the day after Valentine's Day in 2021. Did I tell you this story? No, I, I don't know this one. Um, so Valentine's Day was on a Sunday in 2021. And also in St. Louis here, we, that evening, we got about a foot of snow. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. It was pretty, it was like probably the biggest snowfall of the season, probably. It wasn't really that bad, but it was a foot of snow. It was enough to make some people not go to work. So on Monday, the 15th, I'm driving into work and uh, Patty, my aunt, who's one of the owners here, uh, she called me. She says, hey, uh, but I'm not coming in today. I don't feel like getting out in this. And I, we're not open on Mondays, but usually it's me, Patty, and the maid here, you know, doing stuff, office stuff, and obviously cleaning the rooms from the night before. So I said, yeah, that's fine. I said, I'm going in. And then shortly after that, the maid called Heather, um, and she said, hey, you know, I uh, I have something about the snow and not being able to come into work. And I said, okay, that's fine. And so instead of doing the office stuff that I was going to do, which could wait till the next day, I said, that's fine. I'll clean the rooms, you know, because they were all rented um, the night before for Valentine's Day. And, uh, you know, this is a romantic place. It really is. Yeah. Um, you don't just you don't have to be like goth or totally into spooky stuff to, to like staying here. It's a really just a cool place on its own. No, I, I did. A, I did a couple anniversary uh, stays here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. You see what I'm talking about? Yeah. You don't have to be some kind of uh, ghost fanatic, uh, you know, person to want to stay here. Anyway, so Valentine's Day, all the rooms are rented, so they're all dirty on Sunday, or on Monday, rather. And uh, so I started up in the attic, and I started in the Lewis and Frederick back there. And so that the first thing I did was start changing the bed sheets. So I got the bed sheets off those two beds, and I'm walking past the Elsa. I'm coming back down the hallway, walking past the Elsa. And as I'm walking past the doorway, I look over, and there is plainest day. There's a man standing on the other side of the bed, and he's looking out the window that looks across the highway at St. Agatha's Church. There's a yeah. big, big Polish church over there, St. Agatha's. Pretty church. And we kind of looked down on it, and it was still snowing. And the only thing that I thought at first was, guy's taking in a nice view. I don't know. Maybe he's going to take a picture or something. And, uh, you know, I didn't like stop. This all happened in the time it takes to look or it takes to walk past the doorway. But I mean, I, I did look over and I almost thought when I was thinking back on it, like I almost thought he kind of looked at me, you know, how you might do if you're in a grocery store and you kind of almost make eyes with somebody and give them the kind of classic little like, you know, head nod, like, oh, how's it going? Um, anyways, so he's standing there and I get down this i start going down the steps and i get down about six steps that windy staircase back there and i stopped and i went oh no 
there's nobody here. Nobody's supposed to be here. And you're the only one here. So I threw the bed sheets down the rest of the stairs and turned around. And uh, it took me a second because, you know, a lot of things go through your head. And I was like, should I go back up there? And then, like, my next thought was, well, you have to go back up there. What if there really is somebody up here um, that's not supposed to be here? So, anyways, I made my way back up the steps. This all happens in, you know, a minute. And so I go into the Elsa and I look around and I say, you know, I hello, there's nobody there, obviously. So now I'm looking around and I go all the way downstairs. I check the doors, make sure I'm locked in. I'm locked in. And then that happened like the first 30 minutes I was here. So the whole rest of the day, every room that I walked into and every time I turned a corner and went down a hallway and I was like, I was jumpy. I was a little, I was a little freaked <laughs> out. I was kind of poking my head in. Hello? Anyways, that was actually, you know, I actually saw somebody. And later I kind of questioned myself. I was like, are you sure you saw somebody? And I, I played it through my head a dozen times and went, no, nah, there was somebody standing there. So um, that was another incidence of of the man or shiny shoe man, what might have you. But the clearest that I ever saw him was actually just this past November. And I was downstairs. We were leaving. This was actually on a Sunday. Uh, we get done with the fried chicken dinner, which is spectacular. I didn't mention that. Um, we get done with that. We close at 8 on Sunday. So this is probably about 9 o'clock. We're all finished. Um, everybody clocks out. We all kind of leave at the same time for the most part. I'm usually the last one behind just to double check the alarm, the doors, the delivery door, what have you. There's a handful of things that I need to check as the general manager before I leave just to make sure we're all locked up for the night. So. Everyone leaves, and I'm just a few minutes behind, and I'm downstairs, and I'm, the last thing I'm going to do is walk down that hallway past the ladies' room downstairs, you know, mm-hmm. we're going into the vault. So when I say the vaults, just for your listeners, there's, there's three vaults built onto the back of the house. Um, they're room size. They're giant room size safes. Um, I mean, big rooms. Um, probably, what do you think the dimensions on those? Probably 30 by 20? Yeah, that's what I, that's what I would think. Um, so, I mean, they're rooms. And so, so um, I'm on my way back to um, the downstairs vault to check the delivery door. And uh, the hallway's dark. There's a light switch right to my right that I've turned on a billion times. So I'm walking towards the hallway, and I reach over. I hit the light switch on. And over my right shoulder, I could see that there was something, something standing there. And I turned around. And there he is, a foot away from me, looking right at me, looking me right in the face. Combed hair, mustache. He's a man standing right there. And I looked and I thought to myself, you'll blink and he'll be gone. And I blinked and he wasn't gone. And then I blinked a second time and he's gone. So I stopped for a second and went, okay. Went straight to check the delivery door, went straight outside, locked myself out, and started driving home. And then I started to get a little, it was a little shaky driving home. And so I called my wife, I called my sister, I started calling people. I was like, hey, you're not going to believe what just happened. But clear as day, for a full, I don't know, call it a half second. You know, usually these things, these um, these sightings, they're they're really just like a, like a flash. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like a like a blink um you know this was this was 
probably a full half second, which when you're staring right at a spirit is a long time um, for, for that to happen. You know, you can catch these kind of things sometimes in a, a, a picture. The thing with pictures, I've seen a thousand different pictures and a solid 50% of them, you go, eh, I don't know. But almost every picture somebody has, like, this is the coolest picture. And then some of them you look at and you go, I'm not seeing it. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, and then some of you go, wow, that's really that's really amazing. And then there's really, a, you know, a smaller percentage that you look at and go, now that's weird. Um, but still with pictures, you go, that's either photoshopped or that's really crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, either good ones. Or it's, or it's dust masquerading as or dust. Yeah. Yeah, so it could happen. But anyways, that was that was the most recent and the definitely the longest time uh, that I saw the man there. Um, anyways, and I could go on and on. Um, my wife has some good stories from when she was the maid here. And uh, a lot of guests have stories from staying the night here. Yeah, I had a uh, past tattoo artist that uh, they uh, stayed here numerous times and actually kept a uh, scrapbook of their visits and all the pictures that they took and uh, a lot of what they considered were orb pictures, but they, they loved coming here um, for that reason. And uh, something Matt hasn't mentioned, but um, when you do stay here, you're pretty much, you're locked in for the night. You can leave when you want, but you're free to roam the halls. So a lot of people take advantage of that. Oh yeah. Almost go, everybody. I'm sure. Go around, take pictures, um, and just kind of see if they can uh, detect anything. It's kind of a fun little thing for the for the ghost heads to do. Um, but uh, some people just come here for the romance. It all depends on what you're into. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, you certainly don't have to do ghost hunting. I, I assume most people do. Um, but uh, something that I, I people ask me a lot, you know, there's um, just friends that are ghost hunters that get together, and then there's different levels of kind of, how much equipment they have. And some of them are like trying to be professional. Some of them are professional, but if you have a ghost hunting group and you want to know how you can do an investigation here, it's really easy. You just rent all the rooms because the staff will leave overnight and you have all night to do your investigation. Um, kind of basically whatever you want to do. Now, if you need more than one night or more details than that, um, then it's something that we can talk about. It can't be arranged, uh, what have you, but, um, we even have some people that want to do an investigation and only rent one room. Now, the thing with that, I tell people, if you're really trying to do an investigation, it's hard to do that when there's other guests staying here that are also roaming around that may also be doing an investigation. Sometimes they're just running around being silly. Um, and so that can kind of mess with, you know, whatever. If you're actually trying to evidence, do yeah. yeah, that you're trying to get. So the best thing to do is to rent out all the rooms and make sure it's just your group that's here but so i'm i'm actually against um this next thing but i wanted to know if you had a policy on ouija boards i'm not for using them but i would say i didn't know if you guys would come across and say um no ouija boards at all or uh no we actually have some ouija boards here um and people can bring them uh, like you were just saying i personally don't use ouija boards um but um, it's not anything that's banned or, or anything like that. So um, you're welcome to bring whatever kind of uh, ghost hunting equipment or communication uh, devices you need, unless it makes a mess of some sort. And then we'll have to talk about that. But. <laughs> okay. 
Um, is there anything else you want to mention? Um, geez, I don't know. When is this, when's this coming out? Um, hopefully in the next couple of days, I'm going to be releasing this. Okay. Sounds good. We do have a big Mardi Gras event, uh, which is almost sold out. That's going to be on February 10th. It's Mardi Gras brunch. Um, St. Louis is a sister city to New Orleans, French city. So we do a big Mardi Gras here for all of your listeners in uh, other cities. The second biggest one. Second biggest one. I mean, there's not a whole lot, but it's the second biggest one outside of New Orleans um, here in St. Louis that we do the Mardi Gras parade downtown. And we're close to the parade. So we have a shuttle that will go uh, from the Lent Mansion, take you down the parade and bring you back um, for the brunch here. It's like a it's, a it's a breakfast and lunch open bar at $65 a ticket. Um, so that's happening on the 10th. Uh, if anybody wants to just check out our website at lentmansion.com, we have all of our events for the year. You've been to the Halloween costume party. I'm that, sure. That's a blast. I've I been um, numerous times. Yeah, that's it's a giant house party with live bands everywhere and everyone's in costume. So um, that really looks forward to that. That's a fun time. Um, and all those other things. So, yeah, if you want more information about what we do and how you can come here and go on a tour and stuff like that. Uh, we offer tours weekly. Just go to LentMansion.com and check out our upcoming events. And don't worry, everybody. I'm actually going to include this all in the uh, in the show notes that are going to be connected with this. So um, you'll be able to go on there, click, visit the Lent Mansion's website, and uh, learn more about um, the history, the menu, the location itself, and then also booking if you would like to book a room or come down for one of the events. Well, Matt, it was a pleasure having you on the show. I, I always love coming down here. I always love being down here. Um, you know, the food's amazing. The, the, the presence is amazing. The history is amazing. And, of course, you know, I've known you for years. I'm surprised you still put up with me, but I do appreciate uh-huh. it. Probably probably 20 years, I guess. I think it's been about that. Uh-huh. I think it's been about that. But uh, I do thank you, and uh, um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you once again for listening to our show. As always, your feedback is very important to us. So if you'd like to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and comment on there, if you have any questions, it just makes our show better. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us personally with a comment or question, or maybe a supernatural story which you would like featured on the show, you can do so at contact at a haunted history.com. Thank you once again, and have a good evening.